brought to the world that I might have expected blossoming flowers and flowing waterfalls. Instead, the place appeared flat, dry, dusty, and unremarkable, with some mud huts around an open common space. Had I come so far for this barren, unimpressive spot, I thought there might be at least a welcome party to greet us, but nobody seemed to pay any attention to our arrival. Where is everybody? I asked my mom. We went to a simple hut where I took a bath and scrubbed my face. I had met Bapuji once before, when I was five years old, but I didn't remember the visit, and I was slightly nervous now for our second meeting. My parents had told us to be on good behavior when greeting Grandfather because he was an important man. Even in South Africa, I heard people speaking reverentially about him, and I imagined that somewhere on the grounds of the ashram was the mansion where Bapuji lived, surrounded by a swarm of attendants. Instead, I was shocked when we walked to another simple hut and stepped across a mud floor veranda into a room no more than ten by fourteen feet. There was Bapuji squatting in a corner of the floor on a thin cotton mattress. Later I would learn that visiting heads of state squatted on mats next to him to talk and consult with the great Gandhi. But now Bapuji gave us his beautiful toothless smile and beckoned us forward. Following my parents' lead, my sister and I went to bow at his feet in traditional Indian obeisance. He would have none of that, quickly pulling us to him to give us affectionate hugs. He kissed us on both cheeks, and Ela squealed with surprise and delight. How was your journey? Bapuji asked. I was so overawed that I stuttered, Bapuji, I walked all the way from the station. He laughed, and I saw a twinkle in his eye. Is that so? I am so proud of you, he said, and planted more kisses on my cheeks. I could immediately feel his unconditional love, and that, to me, was all the blessing I needed. But there were many more blessings to come. My parents and Ela stayed just a few days at the ashram before heading off to visit my mother's large family in other parts of India. But I was to live and travel with Bapuji for the next two years, as I grew from a naive child of twelve to a wiser young man of fourteen. In that time, I learned from him lessons that forever changed the direction of my life. Bapuji often had a spinning wheel at his side, and I like to think of his life as a golden thread of stories and lessons that continue to weave in and out through the generations, making a stronger fabric for all our lives.
Many people now know my grandfather only from the movies, or they remember that he started the nonviolence movements that eventually came to the United States and helped bring about civil rights. But I knew him as a warm, loving grandfather who looked for the best in me and so brought it out. He inspired me and so many others to be better than we ever imagined we could be. He cared about political justice, not from some grand theoretical view, but because he was moved by the plight of each individual. He thought each of us deserved to live the best life we possibly could. We all need Bapuji's lessons now, more than ever. My grandfather would be sad at the depth of anger in the world today, but he would not despair.